Shalom and welcome everyone to this latest edition of the ICEJ webinar series. I'm David Parsons, one of the vice presidents here at the International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem and our senior spokesman coming to you from our Jerusalem headquarters. We thank everyone who's joining us. Of course, we're now on day 48 uh, of the uh, Israel's war with Hamas, uh, you know, the, ignited by Hamas on the horrible October 7th terror attacks along the Gaza border. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Israel's multi-front war. It's just not the war in Gaza. There's lots of IDF operations in Judea, Samaria, and the West Bank, and also uh, a shooting war uh, along the northern border with Hezbollah in Lebanon. And our guest today is IDF Brigadier General in the Reserves, Amir Avivi. Good to have you, Amir. Thank you. Good to be here. Amir uh, is, uh, uh, had 30-some years in the uh, uh, IDF, serving in a number of positions, including, I think, Deputy Commander of the Gaza Division. He was in the Southern Command. He was in the Chief of Staff's office. He's been uh, head of uh, you know, combat troops, armored troops, also deputy controller of the IDF. He's seen the Israeli military from many angles, long experience, and since uh, um, he's ended his regular duty with them, he uh, founded and is president uh, the last three or four years of the Israel Defense and Security Forum, which is becoming a leading uh, voice in shaping uh, the debate over Israel's security needs. And uh, Amir, it's uh, the first time we've had you since this war started. I know you've been given briefings through your own forum with 10,000 uh, uh, military, uh, police, uh, intelligence officers that, that you've uh, brought into your movement. And first of all, tell people if they want to watch some of your daily briefings, how do they do that? So they sign to our website, idsf.org.il. We do a daily briefing every day at 5 p.m. Israel time. We do a briefing. We bring the best minds uh, talking about the security. I do almost every day, uh, the first 10 minutes, I give an overview of uh, what's going on. And uh, following that, we bring different experts, and we also bring voices from uh, the field, you know, soldiers uh, and uh, people who live in the south or in the north, and we try to really give a sense of uh, what is going on. Uh, we also had many uh, meetings. Uh, last week I was in the European Union, and we met with many uh, leading MKs. So we also give an um, overview of how things are going on internationally, the support, the fight against anti-Semitism. There are many issues to cover. Okay. Uh, so if you want to keep uh, up with his daily briefings, it's idsf.org.il. We'll give that at the end of the program too, but I just want to make sure people, if you're interested in that, you can keep up with his assessments every day. Uh, um, I mean, here we want to, you're, you're dashing between one TV interview and another. We're glad to, to have you the time we do. Um, but what is your, uh, uh, what was your assessment 
of the security situation on October 6th with Hamas just interested in governing Gaza? Was it looking for a conflict? What do you, what do you, what did you think in those days? So I brought all the generals of my organization two years ago to my house. We met because we understood that there is a huge change in the reality of Israel. And we decided to write a very, very in-depth paper, 300 pages of a national security assessment. And this national security assessment was presented to Netanyahu, to the head of the Mossad, to, to the leadership of the army, to the National Security Council. In this assessment, we said there is going to be a war in the next year or two. We said that there is no, uh, that there, um, the Hamas are not threatened by us. They, they are willing to fight. Iran has reached a peak in its buildup of force and, and they are ready to, to fight us. And there, we have only two options. Or a six-day war scenario, or a Yom Kippur war scenario. And, 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 and Israel needs to choose. Are we going to be proactive and attack first? Or are we going to be attacked? And we said crystal clear, the attack will be a surprise attack. We won't know that before. We knew that we lacked the intelligence. We saw that two and a half years ago in the attack against Jerusalem, that started the operation in Gaza, there was no prior intelligence, and they shot our capital. And um, we said to the politicians, you have to stop everything you are doing. You have to unite. You have to change completely the priority of the state of Israel and invest in the army. We need to prepare the army for war. And unfortunately, nothing of what we said they did. They did exactly the opposite. Um, I can tell you that uh, following the operation in Gaza two years ago, I, I, I participated in a meeting with many generals in the army. And the army was saying, yeah, we hit them, we did this, we did that. And I said there, guys, you are not understanding the situation. We are on the verge of a multi-front war. There is no deterrence. We don't know what's going on. And uh, I described uh, this multi-front war, which actually is a, even a bigger scenario for what we are experiencing at the moment, but might expand. And then uh, Amos Yadlin, one of the strong voices of a guy who never gets it right, but I don't know, everybody invites him to TV all the time. He looks at me, says, Avivi, would you like to be instead of his brother? Like, who are they? We were strong. You know, we we, sh we are much stronger than them. And, and, and I saw again this phenomenon of people of arrogance, you know, people who are arrogant and self-confidence and not really understanding reality. Overconfident, overconfident. Yeah, and and I and I, I cannot even 
explain how frustrating is it, it is that you know exactly what's going to happen and you shout and you explain and you go to every single agency and they don't listen. So now everybody is listening to us and now thousands and thousands of people are joining IDSF. We are more than 20,000 now. Um, but now we are in a complex situation, which I'd like to explain really what's going on. So uh, tell us, what what did you do on October 7th? How did you respond that day? So basically, from the very moment it started, I was overwhelmed by, you know, media and so on. And there was a big need to explain what's going on. So I found myself from the very beginning really um, involved with international media and local media and since then I'm like sleeping four hours a day a night you know and all the time or engaging with the diplomats or decision makers prime minister minister of defense and so on or explaining things in tv there is a very it's very crucial for the people of Israel to really understand what's happening, where this is going, what's the right thing to do. So I get really thousands of messages from people saying thank you for explaining and giving us, uh, making sense of things. Uh, people can, are, are willing to hear difficult things, but they want the logic. They want to understand really what's going on so they can understand and not be in chaos, not in a... They want to... some confidence that they're understanding where all this is going, really. Yeah. Do, do you accept that Hezbollah and Iran didn't know about the surprise attack that Hamas jumped, jumped the gun and that Iran and, and Hezbollah are reluctant to really go full bore uh, because they weren't prepared for it? Iran. Iran is behind this and, and thing that happened is Iran attack Hamas to attack to disrupt the build up of the alliance that started being built up with America, Israel and the Sunni world. I'm talking about the Saudi deal, which is not just about Saudi, it's about building an alliance that extends from Indonesia, Malaysia. Uh, Pakistan and a big alliance to front the Russian Iran took a long time for the US to realize that we need an alliance but once it did they started building it fast you know it was supposed in a few months to already have peace agreement agreements and all of that and Iran understood they need to disrupt this. Now, they were not looking for a full-scale war with Hezbollah and everything. They wanted Hamas uh, to do this uh, attack. Um, and they really believed that Hamas can launch just an attack. And the reaction of Israel will be, you know, will we'll attack with the Air Force, maybe a local ground incursion. They didn't think that the result of this attack will be the people of Israel uniting and and the government of Israel deciding to completely destroy Hamas. It's not something they thought about. They didn't think America will come with warships. 
Um, so now it's a different uh, situation. And it's not what they thought at the beginning. They wanted to keep Hezbollah intact. They wanted to launch Hamas on an attack. But now Israel decided to destroy Hamas. And this, for doing this, we need to really basically conquer the whole Gaza Strip. And, and now it's a new situation and we have to evaluate it according to what's happening now, not according to what was the thinking prior to the 7th of October. Okay. So what, what is the IDF uh, strategy in responding to this? And, and do you agree with it? How are they doing in Gaza especially? So the strategy from the very beginning is to be on the defense in the north, in uh, Judea and Samaria, inside Israel, in the south, uh, in Elat, and be on the offensive in Gaza. Because conquering Gaza is a huge effort, and the IDF wants to really concentrate on that. So this is why the IDF decided to, to overall be on the defense on all other fronts, and is on the offensive in Gaza. Um, will Hezbollah and Iran play this uh, scenario all the way? We'll see. We don't know. Um, there are many restrictions on Hezbollah. Uh, they, they, they have a lot of pressure inside Lebanon not to go to war. There are American ships. We are fully ready. Iran maybe needs them to defend themselves. But having said that, they have to decide either willing to let Hamas be destroyed and also they're thinking what is Israel going to do next. And if they get to the conclusion that what happens next is that Israel will destroy Hamas and then take the whole army north and destroy them, if they think war is imminent, they might say, we don't want to do it the Israeli way. Let's attack now. Maybe in a week, two, three. Now, they're not doing that now because they think Hamas will survive. And they are saying to Hamas very clearly, if you guys can finish this while you stand on your feet, even if it's only in Khadunet uh, and Rafah, then we, Hezbollah, are not going to war. But when Hezbollah will see the IDF starting to, starting to conquer the south of Gaza, then that will be their moment of decision where this is going. Mm. They are in or, in or not. And this is to be seen. Now, let's say they don't go in. Let's say we destroy Hamas. What do we do then? How do the citizens of the north return home? They're not going home with Hezbollah on the border. It's not going to happen. So what can, what can Israel do? Are we giving up all our north uh, towns? Or are we going to fight in South Lebanon and uh, clean this area? Or are we going to convince the international community to implement Resolution 1701 that calls for the complete retreat of uh, Hezbollah from South Lebanon. Can they implement it? I'm not sure. Mm. 
Yeah, that was the UN security resolution after the second Lebanon war in 2006 that uh, Zippy Livni was the uh, foreign minister at the time, very proud of that resolution, but no one's ever kept it. Uh, you know, the Hezbollah has been entrenched in South Lebanon ever since. Uh, but uh, there's senior American officials uh, in Israel now trying to convince Israel not to escalate against Hezbollah in the north. Uh, do you think Israel is, is still determined to, to wipe out both threats, Hamas and Hezbollah? First, I'm hoping that Israel is determined to destroy Hamas because this is the goal of war that was set. We didn't set a goal of war that says that we have to destroy Hezbollah. We did set a goal of war that says that we have to destroy Hamas. So first and foremost, we have to destroy Hamas and take over the old Gaza Strip. You cannot destroy Hamas without conquering the old Gaza Strip. Cleaning it out, it can take a year. And then staying there. We're not going anywhere. We cannot let this terror go back. So we'll have to stay in Gaza. We'll have to control the Egyptian border. We'll need full freedom of uh, maneuver inside Gaza. But then the question will be, what do we do with South Lebanon? Our citizens cannot go back while Hezbollah is in the south. And this they, is someone who has to do the thing there that Hamas did. They want to do the same thing along the northern border. Of course they do. Exactly the same thing. And the citizens are not going to trust the government or the army. They want this threat gone. Like we are doing it now in uh, Gaza. They need this threat gone. No. I cannot see how we can really prevent a war in the north. It's almost imminent, and, and this is why this war might be very, very long. Very long. We have to take it in account. This might be a war that is more similar to the independence war, talking about the length, and maybe even the amount of uh, people killed than, uh, you know, any any other war we had in the past. Yeah. Israel has fought uh, multi-front wars before against uh, Egypt, Syria, Jordan, all, all its borders, Lebanon, but uh, never with such a huge rocket threat against its civilian heartland. And uh, I, I understand that... Um, uh, one of the possible scenarios is Israel gets far enough in cleaning out Gaza that you don't have such such a big rocket threat anymore in the south, and they move all the Iron Dome batteries up north to deal with uh, Hezbollah. Uh, have you heard this? Uh, yeah, you're on mute. You're on mute. This scenario is what we would like to happen. But even if this happens, Hezbollah is 2,000 rockets and missiles a day is being shot at Israel. This is not Hamas. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a completely, completely different uh, threat. And, and what the, uh, the people in Israel inside will feel, and especially in the in the center of Israel, in Tel Aviv, nothing like Hamas. It's a completely different uh, scenario. Mm. 
Um, and this is uh, it's complicated. And it's going, and, and I think that the, really the society of Israel uh, has, hasn't met a really big threat yet. Which is much bigger than Hamas. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, they they may have ten, as many as ten times as many rockets, many guided, many uh, much bigger payload, longer range. Uh, how is how big is the threat from Hamas and other terror groups in in Judea, Samaria, in the West Bank, in Jerusalem? How is the IDF doing in containing that threat? So the IDF till now is doing a good job. Uh, in Judea and Samaria to contain. We are all the time going in the cities, apprehending thousands of uh, terrorists, overall doing a good job. Um, there is a level of deterrence. The, the Palestinians there feel that the IDF is much more uh, resolute uh, to really get the job done. My thinking is, what will happen with parts of the Israeli Arab society and with uh, the Palestinians in Judea and Samaria when and if Hezbollah shoots? If they see massive shooting on, on central cities, if they see pictures of uh, buildings falling, this might change their overall, uh, you know, attitude, and, and then they might actually be much more aggressive than what we see now. Mm -hmm. So there are many questions about when Hezbollah is going in, if it's going in, and what will it do also to the willingness of Israeli Arabs and Palestinians to go in and also uh, fight. Yeah. Um, so we can, we cannot take for granted that the fact that they are deterred now, this reality will stay. What uh, we want to go back down to Gaza and um, uh, ask about uh, how the IDF is doing regarding the tunnel threat, and because it does seem like a very cautious, slow approach. Should they mo be moving faster? Are they dealing with the tunnel threat well? So I think uh, the IDF is dealing very well with the tunnel threat. Uh, since 2014, we developed a huge range of capabilities to to deal with this. Um, and uh, what what the tunnels are affecting is the pace of the maneuver, because when you have so many tunnels and so many terrorists inside the tunnels, you cannot move fast. You have to take over a, a certain area then deal with the underground threats, which takes time, and only then move forward. So even if you can basically move much faster above ground, you need to take in account what's going on underground. And this is why this is taking time. This is why it's done piece by piece. Everywhere the IDF goes, they, have, they decisively win against Hamas. But it takes time. It's taken uh, four weeks or so of, of ground operation to uh, take about half of northern Gaza. Is it going to take another month or so to finish that part? And what, what happens next there? 
So, you know, now we have a new issue, which is the hostages. Yeah, yeah. This and everything was solved, yes. And the silk spires. And now, I don't know. I mean, depends how many days ceasefire. Depends how Hamas is going to use the ceasefire to get ready, more ready. This is going to make it very difficult for the IDF. Yeah. For the soldiers, these ceasefires are devastating. It's terrible. Yeah. Um. So, I think that once they started with this dynamic of the ceasefires, it's very, very hard to know where all this is going. We'll have to see. Especially with IDF forces in fixed positions now, and they're, they're subject to ambush, guerrilla tactics, and, you know, yeah, exactly. Um, I know the overall hostage deal, I know there were some opposed to it, but once they heard the more more of the details, like Bezalel Smotrich signed on to it, uh, and I think in the overall scheme of things, if you want some of these hostages back, it seems like now is is the moment to do it. You've got Hamas on the run, but my fear is, is that some of these hostages, Hamas is losing control of them because they're losing control of certain areas. And and if you want to deal with just Hamas to get them back, you got to try and get some now because you might be dealing with 20 or 30 different hostage situations, separate ones dealing with different people to get them, and it'll be a lot more uh, complicated. So I saw that the right timing to deal with this should have been that we we should have taken first the whole north. We needed a few days more to break Hamas in uh, Jibalia and Sajaya. Yeah. And then, anyway, we would have needed like a week to organize before we go south, and that was the good time to do it, and without endangering the soldiers, because once you break completely the main forces of Hamas, then it was a good time to to do it. Uh, doing it just before the last attack on Jibalia, this is not a good timing, at least for the army. These are very dense neighborhoods right in the heart of the Gaza city, yeah. So this is then uh, problematic. How do you expect uh, this whole hostage deal to play out? Uh, uh, of course, Hamas is going to try and manipulate it to, uh, to move... Uh, uh, their terrorists around and and move the hostages around. This is very complicated. Hamas is going to do everything to buy time. They want to achieve a, a moment where the whole momentum of ground incursion is going to be lost. They are looking for breaking the international uh, support. All they want to do is survive. They want to make sure that they, you know, this will end up being another round. Mm. No matter how much, how many we killed, all they want to do is survive. And this is devastating for us. This is something that the government needs to make sure we don't go to this kind of dynamics. Yeah. And we are headed there now. It's very dangerous. It's like the Arafat and the PLO. If they ever escaped to survive, they would always declare victory. And uh, there, there are reports that the 
Hamas leadership abroad is celebrating this this hostage deal and the ceasefire as as a sign of, of victory, but that they may not really have a good read what's going on in Gaza right now, because I, my sense is that the the people of Gaza, uh, after 45 days or so, 47 days of shelling, they, they want a little peace and quiet themselves, and they're, they need a break. Well, um, yeah. I mean, Hamas believes they will survive, and we, we have to make sure they won't. Yes. We have to continue the, the, the ground incursion and the finish the job in the north and then go south. Mm-hmm. Who, who should, uh, if Israel completes the job in Gaza, who should run Gaza afterwards? I think that for a long time it will be us. And uh, then we have to be clear who cannot run Gaza. Not Hamas, not Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and also not the Palestinian Authority. So basically it will need to be a local leadership some kind of uh, bureaucratic, uh, you know, uh, groups in the municipalities. I don't see any other option, just based on the local families uh, that will run it. Any other terror organization, it's not, it's not an option. It's already been proven many times, you and peacekeeping troops on, on Israel's borders, they don't have the motivation to risk their lives to defend to defend Jews, it has to be the Israeli army that defends this country. Yeah, well, I'm saying this clearly from a military point of view, we have to stay in Gaza. There is no way we can prevent terror without being there. Mm-hmm. And does does Israel need to establish at least a, a security zone along the perimeter of Gaza, a mile or so deep, especially down at the Philadelphia corridor on the south, the border? Uh, Rafa with with Sinai with Egypt. So we must stay on the Egyptian border. It cannot be just the border. It needs to be a whole area we control the Rafah uh, city. And uh, uh, and we must have full freedom of operation everywhere in the Gaza Strip, every day, everywhere, <laughs> and, uh, and and indefinitely. And uh, do you think Israel needs to reestablish the security zone in in South Lebanon up to at least the uh, Latani River, as is stated in UN uh, Security Council Resolution 1701? Um, if we go in and we have to conquer conquer South Lebanon, probably yes, and we might need to do that. Yeah. Um. These are tough lessons the world needs to know. Every time Israel, you know, they talk about occupation, occupier, whatever, but every time Israel cedes territory, it only becomes a bastion of, of to attack Israel from there, whether it's South Lebanon or, or, or Gaza, it just turns into a, a launching pad for more rockets and terror on Israel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, now... Reversing all the bad decisions that were made in the last 30 years with a huge price, huge. Yeah, and if you if you withdrew from major parts of Judea, Samaria, the, the West Bank, you'd have the same problem there? Of course. I mean, look, if we would have done in Judea and Samaria what we did in Gaza, Israel would basically cease to exist. Yeah. This is the, we cannot 
exist in a nine miles shore with the mountains of Judea and Samaria above us, controlled by terrorists. It's not viable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's already tunnels being dug in Mount and Janine, and, and they're trying to make rockets there. So yeah. the IDF needs to be there in the vicinity to deal with it. Look, uh, we thank you for your time. I know you've got another TV interview to run to, but uh, thank you, General IDF Brigadier General Amir Avivi of the Israel Defense and Security Forum. Again, if you want to follow his daily briefings, you go to idsf.org.il, idsf.org.il, uh, their website. You sign up for the briefings there. And uh, he's doing webinars, uh, giving a briefing, and also interviewing uh, other experts, military intelligence, and others. But we really appreciate, uh, you know, opening our eyes further on what's happening, what should be happening, and uh, just appreciate your time and all the best in your efforts up here. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Shalom. All right, that's uh, our show for today. We thank you for joining us on the ICJ webinar series, uh, Israel's Multi-Front War with IDS, IDF uh, Brigadier General Amir Avivi. Uh, remind you that yesterday we also had a webinar with uh, Gil Hoffman, the Executive Director of honest reporting on the the media battle over Israel. Lots of interesting things in there. You can find that webinar and this one. They're going to be posted on the ICEJ's official YouTube channel and on our official uh, Facebook page. You can uh, share it with friends. Make sure you tell everyone to go and watch it there. There's a lot of good information, a lot of good uh, assessments, insights from General Avivi today. Thank you for joining us. God bless you from Jerusalem.